midnight. Nothing personal. Word of the day for February 3rd, 2022 is midnight. Wilson Pickett saying in the midnight hour, Bruce Springsteen covered that. Oh, I'm already on a detour. Midnight time of day. I was at a Bruce Springsteen concert that was delayed by rain and so and lightning at the new Meadowlands, new MetLife. And many, some of you may be listening to this who were at that concert. And at midnight, he sang in the midnight hour and he played till 1.30 or 2 o'clock in the morning. He played his full set, even though the concert started at like 11 o'clock. Midnight is a time when many people are sleeping, although midnight Eastern is 9 o'clock on the West Coast. And it's 5 a.m. in London, 6 a.m. in Paris. So people are getting up in Europe. If you're in Israel, you're eating breakfast. If you're in Australia, you're going to bed for the night two days later. But one thing that you do when you run an East Coast team is you do not, under any circumstance, release a statement at midnight. It doesn't matter what is going on, whether you have a player who is accused of a crime, who's arrested, whether you've got a tragedy, whether you've got a trade, whether you've got an announcement, you're moving, you're building something. It doesn't matter. You don't release something at midnight. And the reason why you don't is that you want people to see what you are saying. Stephen Ross released a statement responding to Brian Flores' allegations at midnight Eastern time. It used to be before Twitter and social media, something called the Friday News Dump. Friday News Dump is what organizations do when they really aren't thrilled with what they have to announce. And so they announce it late Friday and hope it gets thrown out in the wash and nobody focuses it on, on it during the weekend. And when Monday comes, you're on to a news story. And you know that now there's a 24-hour news cycle. You cannot miss deadlines anymore. We used to withhold information from our beat reporters until after their print deadline. We actually had a list of each publication and what their deadline was. And so we would make sure to release bad news after the deadline so it would not appear in the next day's paper. So we'd have a full day to deal with the fallout. But that's done. You cannot hide. Knowing that you cannot hide, you do not release something in the middle of the night. And I'm saying midnight. That's not the middle of the night. It's the beginning of the night. It's the start of the morning. It's halfway through the day. Start of a day. It's zero, zero point slash colon zero, zero. If you're on the 24 hour military time, as I am on my phone. Coke, are you on that? 0811. I never understood people who had like 2.42 p.m. on their phone. How do you know if it's a.m. or p.m.? Oh, just look outside, people say. Well, what if you're in a, in a, in a casino or something? That's why I like 1441 means 241. People just subtract 12 from the number and you can do military time. It's not brain surgery. So Stephen Ross spent the day yesterday in a complete panic. And I want to bring you inside the room of Stephen Ross because I've been in that room. You've heard the stories when we've had some issues, some PR issues over 18 years in the public eye. Stephen Ross gets together his lawyers, his New York lawyers, gets together his PR people. And they agree that after reading the 58 page lawsuit by Brian Flores, 
that if the racial allegations and all the racial discriminatory Rooney rule issues, if those don't take center stage, we're going to have a problem, but we're going to wait to see. We're not going to comment quite yet. We need to see whether or not the media and bloggers and people on social media, ordinary people, Donald Sutherland, whether they are going to focus on this throwing games issue. We're going to wait and just hold off. We'll do a very quick statement from the Dolphins saying we're going to fight it. We talked about it. We gave you that statement yesterday. But Stephen Ross, who was chomping at the bit to respond, was convinced, hold off, let's monitor. So the day starts yesterday, very early in the morning on CBS Mornings, and Brian Flores has a conversation. Then he goes in the same suit and tie to CNN, to ESPN. He makes the rounds. He takes his two lawyers with him and is asked questions about the lawsuit. And the points of focus are exactly what we thought they would be, which are, why would you do this if you wanted to coach again in the NFL? And he had his answer ready to go. His answer was, well, I understand very clearly that my career as a coach could be over. However, this is more important. I agree. Great. Next question. Tell me about the text from Bill Belichick. All right, Steve Ross is good. So far, they're only talking about race and Belichick and the Rooney rule. All right, next question. Were you really paid $100,000 to not win games? And Brian Flores could have been more specific. He could have said that, well, I was told before the season started that we were trying to not win games in order to get the number one draft pick. But the way it reads is, was he told during the season? Was he told toward the end of the season? Was he actually paid the money? No one followed up with that question on CBS, which drove me crazy. Ask the question, where's the beef, Claire? But then... Word got around very quickly after the first interview because what you do when you're a lawyer and you take your client around to different media outlets and you have them meet the media, you time it so you can have people on your staff reading the reviews of your appearance. It is immediate feedback. And that is such an advantage to someone appearing on camera who is making the rounds because before social media, you don't get that immediate feedback. You don't get to read comments. You don't get to see tweets. Therefore, you cannot make the proper adjustments. For all of you lawyers out there, it's the equivalent what social media is of when you are a litigator and you are at trial and every day you can get an update from the jury as to what they're thinking and then change your approach the next day, if you do not like the direction the jury is headed. It is incredibly powerful information if you know how to use it. So Flores's lawyers are understanding very quickly that people want to understand more about this 100 grand per loss and that that is becoming the number one issue in the lawsuit. Of course, it has nothing to do with the lawsuit. It has nothing to do with the ability to form a class to get certified as a class, to prevail in a lawsuit, absolutely nothing. But the lawyers then go on with 
Brian Flores to his next stop, ask the same questions, but then you get a little bit of a different answer. We have corroborating evidence. We've got witnesses. Ooh, now we're talking. Brian Flores is saying that he's got evidence of witnesses that will prove the fact that Stephen Ross offered to pay him $100,000 a loss. Now we're getting serious. Stephen Ross's lawyers and PR people are watching this unfold. They are realizing somewhere around noon that they've lost control here of the narrative. By one o'clock, they are deciding what they are going to do. By three o'clock, they're on the phone to the commissioner. They're asking the commissioner where the commissioner stands on this, what the NFL is going to do, what their line in the sand will be as it relates to the Dolphins. The Giants are making that call. The Broncos are making that call. The commissioner's got to take that call. The commissioner's telling the owner everything that they are doing. You are going to hear Stephen Ross's statement, but I want you to remember this before we go into the statement. There has never been an owner in the history of sports who learned about an investigation into his, her, or their activity from the media. When you are being investigated by your sport, the commissioner calls the owner and says, heads up, there's an investigation here. And here's what we're going to say. Here's what you're going to say. And then shut your yapper. All right. Keep that in mind. So Steve Ross continues on through the day and realizes around three o'clock after speaking to the commissioner that he's going to have to respond because there's already articles that are being written that are being worked on. They're getting calls from the media to respond to inquiries. They're being asked whether he's going to sell the team, whether he's going to be forced to sell the team, whether he wants to sell the team, whether he needs to sell the team. They're going to be asked, did you give him $100,000? Did you say that you would give him $100,000? What exactly happened? Who knew what when? Because the media is actually working to help the lawyers for the plaintiff, which happens all the time. The media is trying to put together pieces of the story, put together a timeline so they can write an article that gives more stats, more color to the lawsuit. Steve Ross gets his group together and says, okay, we're going to need a statement. And the PR people said, we're ahead of you, Steve. And here's how this statement is going to have to read. You are going to show full support for the NFL and their investigation. You are going to declare your innocence and you are going to distance yourself from the claims made by Brian Flores. You are not going to get personal about Brian. You are not going to comment on why you fired him, why you hired him, when you decided to fire him, who you're going to hire next. You are not going to comment on whether or not you wanted to tank, didn't want to win games, wanted to win games. But we are going to make it clear that you are supportive we want people's conclusion from your statement to be that you are supportive of the plight of minority coaches, that you are supportive of the NFL and getting to the bottom of this because you have nothing to hide. Excuse me, Stephen, quick question. Do you have something to hide? They asked him and he said, my name's Stephen Ross. I am a billionaire real estate magnate. 
I am untouchable in my tower. I am 84 years old, and I assure you, I will not be brought down by anybody. But Stephen, I'm asking a separate question. Do you have something to tell us about any conversations you had with Brian Flores about tanking games? May I remind you that I pay you $1,500 an hour. And when I tell you that I did not do this at all, and this accusation is outrageous, that is the end of the story. Don't you bring it up again. Sorry, Stephen, one more question. Are you okay with us saying that you didn't do this? You're fired. In comes the next group of PR people and next group of lawyers. Stephen Ross says, show me a draft of the statement. By now it's five o'clock. Listen, Stephen, we got to get something out. Show me the draft. The draft comes out and says, on behalf of the entire Dolphins organization, I want to be very clear that neither me, the owner of the team, nor anyone associated with ownership or any executive ever had a conversation with Brian Flores about either paying him more money or purposefully losing games. That's what I needed to say. Well, Stephen, are you sure we can say that? You know what? This is BS. Here's what we're going to say. We're going to say this is complete horse hockey. We're going to say that Brian Flores is defaming me. We're going to say that this is an outrage. We are going to fight this till our last dying day. And I'll spend $20 million in lawyers to make sure that Brian Flores never works again. He will never step foot in his office. I want you to change the wallpaper, send back all of his personal stuff, even though we already fired him. And we are going full scorched earth on Brian Flores. Steven, I don't think that's a great idea. Do you know how I know as David Sampson how this works? Because I worked for an owner and there were myriad times that our owner wanted to respond to certain inquiries made by the media, certain rumors that were out about our team, about our future, about our past, about our decision-making. And I had to talk him off as president of the team. I had to talk him off the ledge because I knew that what he was trying to accomplish would not be accomplished the way he wanted to accomplish it. And I didn't win every time. Sometimes I knew I was going to lose and I let it go. Sometimes I thought I was going to win all the way till the end and I lost. But every time I supported him with what he did, once he made the decision to do what he was going to do, but I went down swinging at least 98% of the time. All you have to do is go back and look at some ads that we did as the Marlins or as the Expos, look for some quotes or comments that I've given or that he's given, and you can quickly decide when I lost, when I won, but it was always a respectful conversation. But at the end, the owner is in charge. The client is in charge. PR people do the best they can to help their clients. Some PR people quit when their clients don't listen to them. Some PR people like the paycheck. They stay on and they release statements or advertisements or other various talking points that they wholeheartedly don't agree with. They know aren't going to stand up. However, they don't have a choice in the matter. Stephen Ross then said, all right, are we ready to release it? Well, no, we don't have a final draft yet. Get a final draft. Now it's nine o'clock, 10 o'clock. All of a sudden, Stephen Ross is told, all right, let's wait till tomorrow. 
Meanwhile, Stephen Ross is furious. He wants the statement out right now. He doesn't want one more minute to pass without people knowing that he had nothing to do with this hard stop and that Brian Flores is a line piece of crap. No one could convince Stephen not to be Stephen. So last night at midnight, Stephen Ross released a statement and it was a doozy. With regards to the allegations being made by Brian Flores, I am a man of honor and integrity and cannot let them stand without responding. I promise you, Stephen was asked not to start the statement that way. The reason why he was asked not to start the statement that way is that when you are being accused and when there is such a highly charged subject that is being discussed, that is race, and that you have put yourself out to be the sympathetic white man who's pouring millions of dollars into racial equality and starting all these organizations to end systemic racism. You know that it's not supposed to be about you. And Stephen wanted to make sure in the first sentence that people knew that this was all about him, but his advisor said, make this about the situation. Don't make it about yourself. First sentence, I am a man of honor and integrity and cannot let them stand without responding. I take great personal exception to these malicious attacks and the truth must be known. When you do a statement and you say the truth must be known, I have a word of advice. Start telling the truth. Don't then make accusations. Next sentence. His allegations are false, malicious, and defamatory. That sentence comes right after the truth must be known. What that means is he wants you to know the truth is the allegations are false, malicious, and defamatory. Wrong. You have to tell us why they're false, malicious, and defamatory. You have to show us why they are false, malicious, and defamatory. You cannot just say they're false, malicious, and defamatory. And then he did something. Rewind 10 minutes in this show, because here comes the next sentence. Don't rewind now, but you're going to remember. We understand there are media reports stating that the NFL intends to investigate his claims, and we will cooperate fully. Horse hockey. You knew very well because the commissioner called you to tell you there was an investigation, but you put it in words. We understand there are media reports stating that the NFL intends to investigate his claims. Why not just tell us that we know the NFL is going to investigate those claims? Don't say that we understand their media reports. And then he put in there what Daniel Snyder liked to do in every one of his statements when he was being investigated, what every owner puts in the statement when they're being investigated. You say with a smile on your face, because all the guilty ones do, I welcome the investigation. <laughs> really? In 18 years, with all the investigations done toward the Marlins and our use of revenue sharing and all the other stuff I was involved with, I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, I never welcomed any of them, ever. Nada. But you have to say it because Stephen Ross and everyone else 
who runs a team thinks that you're stupid. I used to be guilty of that, but I know better now. Then you get into, after welcoming the investigation, why do you welcome it? Here it is. I am eager to defend my personal integrity and the integrity, that's the third integrity. That's a lot of integrity. Do you know that there are people when they're putting statements together, they believe or when you're in a conversation with them? Have you ever had this when you're having a conversation with your significant other or with someone at work? And when they want you to believe something about them, they just say it over and over again. We, we had an expression that we would say, um, oh, coca, we didn't talk about this pre-show. Is it, oh, fake it till you make it or will it into the universe? Coca says this to me a lot when we're talking about something that we put it out in the universe, we're gonna will something into existence. When you use a word multiple times, it always makes me, quote Shakespeare, he doth protest too much. I am eager to defend my personal integrity and the integrity and values of the entire Miami Dolphins organization. Well, the entire lawsuit is not about the organization. It's about you, Stephen. But I will defend my personal integrity, the integrity and values of the entire Dolphins organization from these, here we go, adjective time, baseless, unfair, and disparaging claims. So now what we've seen in this statement is that the allegations are false, malicious, defamatory, baseless, unfair, disparaging. In the old days, I would have said Yahtzee, that's six sixes, until one of our loyal listeners, Coca, reminded me that Yahtzee only adds five dice. Five sixes is Yahtzee, not six. So he went Yahtzee on steroids. Six adjectives, false, malicious, defamatory, baseless, unfair, disparaging at midnight. G-M-A-B. So now what is the media doing? The media is going around and they're trying to find other people to talk. They're trying to find out who could possibly be in the class. They're trying to find out who would have information about what the Dolphins did, what Bill Belichick knew, what the Giants knew, whether or not John Elway was drinking, where he was drinking. They are out there getting facts. Rob Manford and Bud Selig, when there were things like this going on during the Blue Ribbon panel time, during the hearings on the Hill on steroids, during negotiating of collective bargaining agreements, we would get a call from the commissioner which said, embargo, We will fine you if you talk to the media. They're all going to call you. They're all going to want information. You may not talk to the media. We'll do the talking from the commissioner's office. Some owners would listen to that. Some owners wouldn't. Who is your first call if you want to get an owner to talk and you are in the media? It's not Danny Snyder, the former chairman of the Washington Skinanders. It's Jerry Jones. Our main man, JJ, picks up the phone and he couldn't keep his mouth shut. Jerry Jones was asked about not the Stephen Ross Hunter Grand issue. He was asked about the Rooney Rule issue. And he said something that made Roger Goodell's skin crawl. He said, we could do better. He went on a bunch of different topics, talking about the ways they could do better, how important it is to do better. And all I kept thinking was, 
that Roger Goodell and his lawyers are saying, Jerry, could you do me a, just a tiny small favor and shut the hell up? We are not acknowledging that we can do better. We are saying that we've got a rule in place that is followed 99% of the time. And when it's not followed, we discipline the clubs. Jerry Jones thought to himself, I can make this situation better because that's what people like Jerry Jones and Stephen Ross think that when addressing the media, that they are so much smarter than the media that they can get the media and therefore people to believe what they're saying as an absolute truth. How do I know this? I used to be this. It's so wrong that I look back on my own career and I smile with the level of idiocy and the level of egoism and narcissism that was in my head, that was piercing my veins. Is it coursing my veins? Piercing through my veins? Coursing, running through my veins? That anyone who I spoke to would just believe what I was saying by definition. When you've got some green between being in that position and having a future where I am now in my position, it is pretty amazing how wrong I was at the time. And we talked yesterday about what the NFL did and why they made the statement they made. We talked about why the NFL was discussing diversity and how it's core to everything they do. And what, remember, I think the statement was something about it's, it's what we do. We spend all our time on diversity. That is the message that is supposed to be for all owners to give. So Roger Goodell gives a statement from the NFL about how important diversity is. And then Jerry Jones blows it up in one fell swoop saying, hey, we could be better. <laughs> That's unreal. So now we're going around trying to find people to join the class. Aaron Glenn is the assistant coach, defensive coordinator of the Detroit Lions. He's black, former player was asked about him interviewing for positions. And he gave a quote that made Brian Flores' lawyers say, okay, I guess we have one fewer member of our class now. He said, I thought all my interviews were really good interviews. The way I look at it is I get a chance to get in front of GMs and other high-level people in the organization. I express my thoughts on how to be a head coach and how to run an organization. That's the only way I look at it. I don't look at it like they're fake interviews or anything like that. If that was to happen, sick were. That's a shame for the league, but I haven't experienced that. Just to be honest with you. That is music to the ears of Roger Goodell and the lawyers for the NFL. Because if you can't get people to join your class or be show that they've suffered the same damages that Brian Flores is alleging to have suffered, then that class will not be certified and you can just file a motion to dismiss and boom, the lawsuit goes away. So remember, the NFL is fighting three fronts right now. And there's one thing you learn when you are fighting a war, it's very hard to have three fronts at the same time. So they've got the Rooney Rule front, they've got the tampering front, and they've got the throwing game front. So to the extent that they can get rid of the racial discrimination front, the quicker they can do that, the better. So everything's going fine. And then they're focused on Steve Ross starting that investigation. 
They leak that they're starting the investigation, which is bizarre. Just say you're investigating. You don't need to leak it. Because all of a sudden, Hugh Jackson started talking. Hugh Jackson yesterday morning, we talked about on the show, we talked about the fact that he got paid to lose games and how significant that was going to be if it became a systemic issue. But wouldn't you know that it caused the Browns to immediately have to release a statement saying that Hugh Jackson is absolutely wrong, that he is a liar and that we've never incentivized people to lose and that period, it's false, done. Think about what this one lawsuit has now caused, and it's only been 36 hours. It is causing teams to write statements, hire PR, publicists, lawyers. It's causing investigations, which means that the Coca Sampson law firm is back in action. Remember, we are now money on the side for now because of CBS's, um, I guess, inability to pay us what we're worth at the moment. We on the side do these investigations. We get hired by leagues and by teams to be the investigators. And then we just do whatever the teams or the leagues want us to do. Okay. We have to talk about a movie, Coca. Uh, so I th- let's take a break. Coca asked me to watch a movie yesterday, and I did watch it. And after that, we're going to get into something that happened in hockey that I got more so you want to talk to Samson's about than even the Brian Flores lawsuit yesterday. So I'm going to answer your questions when we come back. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson. Thank you for reviewing and following. And yes, I am on Spotify. Old man, take a look at yourself. I still have a need for a pocket of gold. That's a Neil Young song, Heart of Gold, Coca. Did you know that? That's in reference to Spotify and being off Spotify, but we're on Spotify because we're not going to stand on principle because we don't make enough yet. We don't have a big enough following. Are you with me, Coca? Hello? Hello? You can follow us, rate us, review us, tell your friends about us, and you can watch on YouTube. You can look for the blazer of the day. You can look at the background and you can see an earpiece. So the movie that Coca asked me to watch, we're going to discuss in a little bit of detail here. It just came out on Netflix called The Tinder Swindler. I'm speaking to everybody listening to this show, and there are a lot of you now, more more today than yesterday. Every day there have been more, and we're appreciative of that. I am begging you to speak to your family about this movie. I'm begging you to watch this movie as a family with your kids. If you are 12 and older, please watch this movie. Now, you're going to say that's not appropriate. It's about Tinder. Yes, Tinder is a dating app. 
Yes, Tinder's a swipe right, swipe left. Let's have sex. I get it. But there's something far more important going on in this movie than swiping right and seeing if you can get a boyfriend, girlfriend, or a side friend, any sort of beef of any kind. It is about fraud. It is about how easy it is to be defrauded by people. It's about how easy it is to think you know people because you've met them online, then you meet them in person and you have this comfort level because you can Google them and you can go on their Instagram and you feel as though that can replace the process of getting to know someone. How many times have you said in the past five years, my God, I feel like I've known you forever. We've been on two dates and it's as though I've known you my whole life. Do you think that has anything to do with the fact that you can social stalk someone, you can look back at their entire life in pictures and in posts, and you can sort of soak up that information and say, wow, I'm close to you. Oh, you're telling me about the time you went to Egypt. Yeah, I saw the picture of you on the camel in front of the pyramids. I feel like I was there with you. Wait, you never went to Egypt? Wait a minute, you did what Josh Gad did in the wedding ringer? You just arranged all those pictures that were all fake? OMG. The reason why I want you to watch the Tinder Swindler with your family is when you are ever called by anyone and you are asked for money, the answer is no. When you are asked to do something in your name for somebody else, to take out a credit card, to take out a loan, to pay somebody, the answer is no until you've got exact proof, not pictures of people on private planes, proof that you have a private plane, not pictures of someone driving in a Rolls Royce and a Lamborghini, but proof that they own that, not that they rented it. I'm talking about credit checks. I'm talking about legal checks, and you may think I'm crazy. This is the example of the one rotten apple spoiling the bunch. But unfortunately on social media and on websites like Tinder or Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, there's more than one rotten apple. There's an entire orchard. And these people are dedicated to separating you from your money. They're dedicated to ruining your life to the benefit of theirs. They're dedicated to making you believe something is true when it's not close to true. Many people have talked about social media bullying. Many people have talked about the way it feels that you don't have the kind of life that it appears everyone has on social media and how you feel like such crap that you end up getting depressed, suicidal, don't wanna leave the house, whatever the case may be. When you have zero proof that those people are doing anything of the sort, when you have zero proof that even if they are doing that, are they satisfied? Are they happy? Are they in debt? You don't know anything. The Tinder swindler is about a man. And I have a, a issue here. And we have not gotten a chance to talk about what happened with Whoopi Goldberg, but I do want to talk about it. Because Coca, someone got to me on Twitter at David P. Sampson and said that you're all over Mel Gibson for being an anti-Semite. How could you not discuss Whoopi Goldberg and her suspension from The View and what she said about the Holocaust on your show? 
And the answer is I've been meaning to, but it keeps getting cut from the rundown because of people like Steve Ross and the fact that the content just continues to come and we have to cut things every day from the show. But one thing that has always bothered me because it is anti-Semitic at its core is the feeling that all Jews are, have power, have money. They use that power and money to gain advantage. And every time there's someone who's a Ponzi schemer, whether it is Bernie Madoff or Ron uh, Scott Rothstein, I'm sorry, Ron, I know you and I know that's not you. He's a former coach of the Heat, actually, Ron Rothstein. But that's not the Ponzi schemer. It was Scott. And I'm always angry when those people are Jewish because I feel as though it leads to increased anti-Semitism and confirmation bias where people read it, look at the story, learn the story and say, oh yeah, that's another scheming Jew. And that when you say that or think it, that's anti-Semitic. The Tinder swindler is about a Jewish guy who does not do the right thing. While I agree you're going to have to discuss with your children what Tinder is, you may not want to. I believe that the importance of watching this film and discussing what happened and throwing up a red flag. Are we taking away people's innocence? Yeah. Are we taking away people's hope? Maybe a little. The dream of Richard Gere coming to your fire escape and saving you. That's possible. But believe me, the juice is worth the squeeze. Watch the Tinder swindler with your family. Okay. I want to talk about a uh, concept. I'm going to quickly do the pick of the day, Coke, if you don't mind, because I want to just make sure we get to it. We are 15 and 13 because the Grizzlies crushed the Knicks in New York. I have no idea why the Grizzlies were only giving three and a half to the Knicks. I, I really don't. I, maybe it's because everyone bets the Knicks because everyone in New York is on DraftKings because it's new and all the other betting apps. So people are just taking the Knicks every night. I, 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 it's beyond words. Of course, the Grizzlies covered three and a half. We're 15 and 13. Tonight, the Heat will end their losing streak. I always had a tough time with the Knicks going into San Antonio. But again, that was when Tim Duncan and David Robinson and Ginobili were on the team. Uh, the Spurs are not the Spurs anymore. The Heat are not a number one seed. They're only one game out of the number one seed. They've lost a bunch of games in a row. But tonight, the Heat will recover. They're giving four to the Spurs. We're taking the Heat, giving the four to the Spurs to end their losing streak. Okay. Coca, let's go over the question. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson's when you come up with a question. Samson was a character in the movie Half-Baked. Everybody wanted to talk to him. You want to talk to me? Get into my Twitter, David P. Samson. My DMs are open. And if I don't respond, it doesn't mean I haven't seen it. It means that there's too many to respond to, but I respond to a lot. People out there in the Twitter universe will say that I am very good at engaging with followers because I'm so thankful that you're willing to banter with me. Really bad look here. Can you please discuss on nothing personal? Very curious how an owner can get so testy, especially when knowing these questions would be asked. This is a topic about the Chicago Blackhawks owner 
named Rocky Wirtz. Rocky Wirtz was the owner of the Blackhawks back in 2010 when Kyle Beach, the player, was assaulted sexually by an assistant coach who has subsequently been fired. You heard about this story on Nothing Personal. The Blackhawks then, of course, did what a team does. They fired everyone involved. They started internal investigations. They said they were going to make all these changes. That is where the Blackhawks are. They held a town hall meeting last night. And Rocky Wirtz was asked a question about progress they've made, changes they've made, and how they've moved on since 2010. And this is what Rocky Wirtz responded with. I think the report speaks for itself. The people that were involved are no longer here. We're not looking back at 2010. We're looking forward. And we're not going to talk about 2010. I, I know, and I'm not either. And we're not going to talk about what happened. We're moving forward. That is my answer. Now, what's your next question? I can pick up to what we are doing today. And I think no, I don't know. That's none of your business. That's none of your business. What we're going to do today is our business. I don't think it's any of your business. Because I don't think it's any of your business. You don't work for the company. If someone in the company asks that question, we'll answer it. And I think you should get on to the next subject. We're not going to talk about Kyle Beach. We're not gonna talk about anything that happened. Now we're moving on. What more do I have to say? You wanna keep asking the same question? You hear the same answer? Okay, ask the next question. Okay. You understand that's Rocky Works. That is the owner. That is the 69 year old white owner of the Chicago Blackhawks telling people at the town hall meeting, this was a member of the media saying, it is none of your business, which means it's none of the business of any of your readers or listeners, what we are doing to move forward as an organization. Rocky Wirtz was on a stage with his new chairperson, his new CEO, and the head of the Blackhawks who works directly under him, his son, Danny. The voice you heard was Danny beginning to answer the follow-up question from the media member. And then Rocky interrupted his son and said, zip it, we're not answering this, it's none of your business. Owners who are in their 70s and 80s, they just don't get it. They're holding on to something that has long passed them by. The world has changed. Accountability has changed. And they're trying to live in the past. They're trying to live in a time when there was no reason for anything other than a man of wealth, a white man of wealth, to say, we will talk about what I want to talk about when we want to talk about it. And if you don't want to talk about it, then I'm not going to talk to you and you're not even going to be included in the room and you're not going to get my money and you want my money because I give money in order for you to genuflect in my general direction. How many times are we going to talk about old white owners who are doing the same thing over and over again and wondering why there is no change in professional sports? You want to know when the change comes? when there's ownership turnover and you've got the sons taking over, when you've got younger people taking over who understand that the world they live in is not what it was when their parents and their fathers were operating. I worked for my stepfather. I understand very well how times have changed. I understand what it is to be the son on that stage because I've been the son on the stage 
when questions are being asked of my owner who is answering with emotion, who is losing his temper and patience and saying things that I know he is going to regret. And I try to stop it. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. I know very well what Danny was going through that moment because he was losing his mind. You do not say to your fan base, it's none of your business. Everything is their business. And I would know because I said it too. Except I did it in a way that I would only give certain information. And then I would bridge any follow-up questions to the answer I wanted to give. It's part of media training that I got how to bridge, how to not answer a question in your response. That is a skill that you have when you run an organization, when you are in the media, when you are under scrutiny. You only answer the question you want to answer no matter what is asked, but you do not lose your temper. You do not yell. You do not say it's none of your business. Rocky Wirtz was not embarrassed by his son on that stage. His son stayed quiet. The town hall meeting ended. His son went to him and said, Dad, we have a problem here, the likes of which you don't understand. We told you going into this town hall meeting that we were going to get asked this question. We told you what the answer was, which is we made a mistake and we are fixing it. We started by getting rid of everyone who was involved and we finished by putting a comprehensive plan together for our employees to make sure that they feel safe all the time. And you don't have to ask me what the plan is. I'm about to tell you. We've got hotlines. We've got people internally, externally, people associated with us, people not associated with us. We have made sure that in evaluations, people are evaluating up the chain, down the chain, superiors to their employees. We are making sure that we are boots on the ground, that we are around the hockey operations. We are around the minor league operations. There is a laundry list, and you know what? We're not perfect, but we are committed to making this better. Done. That's how you answer the question, Dad. Well, what do we do now? I'll tell you what we got to do. Say it with me. You love nothing personal. You got to do a statement. Rocky Works released a personal statement. Tonight at the Chicago Blackhawks Town Hall, my response to two questions crossed the line. I want to apologize to the fans and those reporters. And I regret that my response overshadowed the great work this organization is doing to move forward. We have the right leaders and right processes in place to create a safe environment for our employees and players. Does that sound familiar to anybody? That is what he was told to use as the answer to the question when asked. But instead, he had to put it in a statement with his toes crossed, fingers crossed, despondent after he had to be convinced by his son to do it because he said, what did I do wrong? Wait to see is when we tell you something's going to happen. When it happens, we revisit it. When it doesn't happen, we revisit it. My wait to see today, Rocky Wirtz will be disciplined by the NHL for that outburst in that town hall meeting. Gary Bettman has to take control of his sport. The Black Hawk scandal is a huge problem, and it continues to be a problem. They need young players playing hockey. They need parents not thinking those young players are going to get molested. You cannot have an owner, especially an old white owner, in this day and age, saying the things he said. Rocky Wirtz will be disciplined by the NHL.
We had to wait to see about Jim Harbaugh on January 11th, 2022. I told you that Jim Harbaugh would be the coach of the Dolphins. I'm taking the loss on that wait to see, and I'm taking it under protest. And the reason I'm taking it under protest is how was I supposed to know that Brian Flores was going to file a lawsuit that was going to accuse Stephen Ross of fixing, throwing games, paying to tank. And that Jim Harbaugh would say, um, I'm not going to Miami. Well, Jim Harbaugh spent nine hours in Minnesota and Jim Harbaugh is not going to Minnesota. Jim Harbaugh is going back to Michigan. But that's a loss for the wait to see. All right. That's our show. Thank you so much. We went a little long. I apologize. Thank you, Coco, for that. Remember. It's just business. This is nothing personal. 